today on Ag News Daily. The traders that I watch and follow down there, they anticipate these early beans that have gone in the ground uh, the last six weeks that potentially Brazil will be exporting beans by the end of December, uh, if not uh, the first few weeks of January. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and happy Market Monday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delia Howell joined by Ashton Carr. And Ashton, I've had a busy day today. Have you? What have you been up to? So I've been filling in on agriculture.com. I've been doing the market coverage for today because their typical market writer is on vacation this week. So I've been writing for uh, Successful Farming's market coverage today. And it's been good. I mean, I typically pay attention to the markets, you know, one or two times throughout the trading session, but I've been checking it a lot more frequently today to make sure that my my numbers are up to date. Folks, if you're reading agriculture.com's website today, you might see my articles on there. I'm also covering crop progress report when that comes out today. So yeah, I'm staying busy and we're going to NAFB convention this week in Kansas City. So we will be even busier the second half of the week. We certainly will be, Delaney, and I'm very excited for that. But first things first, I have some exciting Yellowstone-related news to share. Oh, yes. I forgot to remind you to share that today. (laughs) I was nervous I was going to forget, but I stayed on top of it, I think, just because I was so excited to tell you. But one of my friends, she works for a hospital staffing company here in Lubbock, and they staff rural hospitals. And one of them is in Pampa, which is like on the other side of Amarillo. And they could not find any housing for their um, doctors that they were putting into these hospitals in Pampa because they were all booked up because the producers and all the crew members from Yellowstone had booked all the hotel rooms up in the town. I guess they are recording um, something in Pampa for the show. So I thought that was pretty cool because that's just up the road from me a little bit. That is neat. I like that. But I thought I it was it last night. So I appreciate that news. <laughs> well, Delaney, in other news, we do have some things to talk about here today. And I actually have a piece of news as an update from the John Deere strike. It was said by the United Auto Workers that the two sides agreed to a potential contract on Friday night. And it includes, quote, modest modifications to the most recent rejected contract offer. Uh, There hasn't been any details released from the agreement, but UAW says the latest proposal is Deere's last, best, and final offer. So if this is not accepted by union workers, I'm not sure what will happen, but we'll see something hopefully on Wednesday or Thursday because they are set to vote on it on Thursday. Don't know if that's morning, afternoon, evening. So we'll definitely report on that when it does come through, though. And I'll try and work some inside scoop, inside uh, resources I have there. I've got some people that work kind of on the inside. So I'm going to do some poking and see if I can find out anything additional. Well, Delaney, what other news items are you looking out for today? Well, I've got some fun news that I'm going to go ahead and share here and switch tracks because next week, of course, is 
Thanksgiving week. We're going to be doing a little uh, break on the podcast. So we love and appreciate all our listeners, but we need a break too. But ahead of next next week's, I almost said next year's, ahead of next week's holiday kickoff, I have some turkey production facts, Ashton, because about 88% of Americans will eat turkey on Thanksgiving. We're a turkey eating family, so I will be part of that 88%. But uh, really, turkey data, you know, we kind of go in cycles of whether or not we're going to have enough turkey to feed those Americans during Thanksgiving time season. And it does look like this year, there should be plenty of availability for turkeys. But overall, as a whole, turkey production has been slipping lower in recent years. So maybe that's an indication that less people are eating turkeys at uh, Thanksgiving time. I don't know. We're a ham family typically on holidays, so I don't know if we're going to be having turkey this year. I guess I'll see when the time comes, and it's hard to believe that it is really just around the corner here, but I am excited to get back home, visit with my family a little bit. But while we're on the topic of poultry, Delaney, I have a little news coming from Europe as we continue to see cases of bird flu spread across Europe, Um, and it's looking like... Belgium is the latest country to be on an increased risk for bird flu. And as of today, poultry in Belgium must be kept indoors after they have detected a few cases, it sounds like, of this highly pathogenic variant. And we've already seen cases, of course, um, in Germany, France, and those countries are ramping up their requirements and keeping their flocks indoors as well. So just kind of another um, update here. I don't really have much to report on other than that they're just keeping these flocks indoors for professional and for private poultry breeders. Well, I don't have any poultry news, Ashton, but I do have some beef news because Tyson Foods reported today that they beat their quarterly profit estimates, and they forecast their fiscal 2022 revenue to be above market expectations due to rising meat prices and improved demand from restaurants reopening here during the COVID lockdown. They have reported double-digit jumps in sales and earnings in the fiscal fourth quarter, which ended October 2nd, and said that they delivered a record performance in their beef segment and experienced share gains in their retail core business line. So they are certainly moving the needle there. They are doing pretty well. It seems that they've recovered from any sort of COVID, uh, not lockdown, any sort of COVID, well, I guess, yeah, any sort of COVID lockdown or any sort of COVID um, interruption to the supply chain has really now been kind of worked through at this point, it sounds like. Well, that's a little bit of good news there. It seems like we're kind of getting back into the swing of things. Of course, a couple of sectors of the industry are still lagging, but I just have two other pieces of news to talk about, and both of them are concerning China. Here in a moment, of course, our guest for Market Monday is going to talk a little bit about this, but it has been noted that President Biden and Chinese leader Xi Jinping are meeting on a video call to discuss tensions between the U.S. and China. 
ag trade and supply chain disruptions are reportedly not expected on the agenda, according to a senior White House official. But AgriPulse reports that Biden is going to or suspected to press on China's subsidies for its industrial sector. And that's really all I have to talk about that. But my other piece of Chinese news that I wanted to talk about here is concerning GMOs. So I think that we are starting to hear a couple of different headlines come out about GMOs and maybe the acceptance of them. But China has laid out a clear path for seed makers to get approval for genetically modified crops under proposed rule changes that should lead to commercial cultivation of GM corn. Details of the planned regulatory overhaul for the seed industry were published on Friday by the Ag Ministry in a draft document that is open for public comment until December 12th. The proposed changes mean that a handful of recently approved GM traits developed by Chinese companies could be ready for market launch in a year. And like I said, that document is open to the public until December 12th for comments. So I am ready and looking to see for these comments. Like I mentioned earlier, I think we're getting a little bit more acceptance of GM crops. So I am ready to see what the public thinks about this. Absolutely, Ash. And I'm glad you had that piece of news. But I have just one other piece of news here, which uh, Jeff French is also going to touch on just a tiny bit. We've got a new voice on the podcast today for Market Monday. But South America is entering into their planting season and they are doing pretty well, it sounds like, here for getting that crop in the ground. However, here we are in what, really the third week of November and the La Nina pattern is continuing to take Form. Rains have continued to be focused in the central area of Brazil here for the second week into the third week, but this week supposedly will bring cooler and wetter conditions to many areas of Brazil and Argentina, with a few exceptions, as we are continuing to watch how that La Nina pattern does develop. But Brazil continues to be in a favorable position for soybeans and their first corn crop planting and germination and really is going to hold a lot of impact on this year's any sort of potential post-harvest rally. A lot of eyeballs are watching South America to see how they get this crop into the ground. So that is going to be a big focal point for us moving forward, Ashton. Well, Delaney, it seems like we're both out of news now. The only thing left to talk about is the markets. Absolutely, Ashton. We certainly saw a lot of movement today in the markets. As I mentioned, I was watching them much closer today than usual even. And so trading from the overnight into this morning, we saw grains really down across the board and finished mixed today, however. December corn down three quarters of a cent, closing at 5.76 and a half. March corn down a penny to close at 5.84. Soybeans today moving to the upside as a January contract added 13 cents, closing at 12.57 and a quarter. Novi 22 soybeans up nine cents, closing at 12.49 and a quarter. Chicago December wheat today up nine and a quarter cent, closing at 8.26 and a quarter. The March up eight and a quarter, closing at 8.36 and three quarters. In the livestock pits, we saw a little bit of mixed trade today in the live cattle complex as the Dece contract shed 35 cents, closing at 131.77 and a half. The February up 22 and a half cents, ending the day at 136.32 and a half. And in feeder cattle today, that mixed trade 
didn't continue, but we definitely saw a little bit of mixed trade when you look at the cash market, which finished lower on the day. However, deferreds finished higher as a January contract up three quarters, then at 158.47 and a half. The March up 70 cents, closing at 159.87 and a half. Lean hogs today did see mixed trade, however, as the December contract shed seven and a half cents to close at 75.80. The February down, excuse me, the February up 62 and a half cents, closing at 81.17 and a half. And lastly, wrapping things up here with the class three dairy milk futures. December today down 13 cents to close at 17.49. The January down a nickel to close at 18.12. Ashton, without further ado, let's kick things over to our conversation for today's hashtag Market Monday episode with Jeff French. Well, folks, for today's hashtag Market Monday episode, we're talking to a new voice on the podcast, probably not a new voice for those of you that listen to agricultural podcasts, TV interviews, etc. Chatting today with Jeff French, owner of Ag Hedgers. Jeff, how are you doing today? Great. Great to be here, Delaney. Um, got some really good prices here and uh, good price action here to begin the uh, middle of November here on Monday. We certainly do. And, you know, watching the overnights tonight, things were trading slightly lower. But really today, the big story had to be the soybean market. What was going on today to push prices this high? Yeah, so we, we ended last week on a on a strong rally. So like you said, overnight uh, came in a little bit easier, a little back and fill, uh, a little profit taken. That's not unusual. But uh, if you look at the bean meal, uh, it's all been about bean meal here in the last three or four uh, trading sessions and, and bean meal had been on, on a really big uh, downtrend uh, for about the last three months. Well, it's it's corrected that here in the last uh, week and a half, two weeks. And today it traded up to a four month high. Um, you know, there, there's been a lot of demand coming in on that side uh, from an end user standpoint. I mean, we got down to some of the prices that we haven't seen uh, in almost a year. So you saw some end user uh, demand come in there. I mean, if you look at the charts still, th- this bean meal uh, looks like it could run another 20 to $25 a ton. I mean, I from, from a pure technical standpoint, um, December up at $400 a ton uh, makes sense to me. And, and you look at the other component, the actual soybeans. I mean, uh, since last week's USDA report, uh, we've rallied the actual soybean contract nearly 70 cents a bushel. But, you know, the January beans, you know, we've been talking about big yields, big production, and also just perfect weather down in South America. And uh, they're planting the soybeans right now. Brazil expected to plant 100 million acres. So you look at January, we get a close above 1265. That will look very encouraging. We haven't been above 1265 here in about the last three months, two and a half months in the January contract. So a uh, good way to start out Monday. And, uh, you know, we'll see probably Tuesday, we get a little bit of a turnaround Tuesday. Uh, beans have been up five consecutive days here closing today. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned South America because we've started to hear a little bit more about how their planting season is going down there. How closely are you watching South America right now? It's something that we look at uh, daily and we track. I mean, uh, there was really big rains in Argentina over the weekend. Uh, That was a welcome sight. Um, But yeah, I mean, they're off to a really good, strong start. Some of uh, 
the traders that I watch and follow down there, they anticipate these early beans that have gone in the ground uh, the last six weeks that potentially Brazil will be exporting beans by the end of December, uh, if not uh, the first few weeks of January. So uh, our, the U.S. export window is quickly uh, closing here. Now, we did have a nice uh, purchase out of unknown, most likely China reported today. Um, but yeah, I mean, this this export window is is closing quickly. But again, it is a La Nina year. So in a La Nina year down in South America, uh, what we expect is hot and dry conditions in southern Brazil and in Argentina. So all I'm saying is these are great prices, but from a, from a risk management standpoint and a producer standpoint, uh, if you are selling this, um, buy a call option out into uh, February, if not go all the way out to May, just in case South America does get hot and dry and these prices want to move higher. Just get those bushels reowned. And Jeff, would you recommend that call option for both corn and soybeans or just soybeans? Definitely the beans, but I mean, the corn, I mean, you've seen corn rally since uh, the beginning of this month. It got down to 506. So we're, we're on about a 75, 80 cent rally off of the uh, lows this month. And you can look at the corn predominantly. I mean, demand's been off the charts. I mean, you look at ethanol, uh, they're making a dollar a gallon. Uh, they're not going to slow that down. And, and from my experience, from uh, the people I deal with, the producers I deal with, you know, the farmers sold it, sold what they needed um, off the combine and, and, you know, not too much, not too aggressive. And, and they are filling every bin up uh, with unpriced grain to see what happens in the next couple of months. You know, I, I can't tell them that's not a bad strategy, but, uh, you know, we do have nearly six dollar corn here on the board. Uh, if you look out to July, where did that close here? Uh, July at 590 a bushel. So what what pushes us up over $6 on the board? I mean, I know cash prices, a lot of places are over $6, but you look at the funds, um, funds have been a big buyer here in the last two weeks on this rally. And it's anticipated that uh, we get the commitment of traders report actually today because of uh, the holiday last week. But it's anticipated that the funds are long 330,000 contracts of corn. So, you know, they they are anticipating and betting on higher prices. Uh, you know, you can look at that number. Yes, it's big. So it's it's twofold. So will they defend it? Yes, they certainly can. But also, if they decide to take profits and let's just say, you know, they sell 100,000 contracts. You got to think there'd be at least a probably 40 to 60 cent pullback uh, in the futures price. Now, cash markets, uh, you know, again, we have positive basis uh, right now in many locations uh, right after harvest, which typically doesn't happen. So uh, the cash market might continue to lead the futures higher. And Jeff, as you look at those exports, I know you mentioned those a little bit earlier on. We saw some flash sales today in both corn and soybeans, but really the newswire has been a little dry lately when it comes to the demand picture. Where are we at as far as this year's marketing year goes for meeting USDA targets? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's behind and, and really, you know, you, you, you got to kind of just step back and look at the prices that we're dealing with. I mean, we're dealing with, you know, five and a half, six dollar corn and 12 and a half, $13 beans. So, I mean, you are going to limit demand somewhat. Now, we did get uh, confirmation here today that China uh, 
bought Ukraine corn um, uh, last week. That was rumored. Uh, we did get that confirmed today. That was surprising, and that's probably a little bit negative on, on our corn because we are cheap, cheaper than Ukraine. Uh, you know, what's going on there? Is it a bigger picture of, of you know, a trade dispute? You know, um, President Biden and, and President Xi were expected to have a virtual summit here today. So what what comes out of all this? But China buying Ukraine corn uh, when we are cheaper uh, just does not make sense. And, and it leaves me with a lot of questions. I, I read one story that, you know, that the Chinese are upset about how the USDA reports those sales where we report them so quickly that that the market moves. Well, I, I don't know if I buy that because you have China corn that's uh, over 1050 a bushel. So um, we are the cheap source of corn right now. Uh, how long that continues, we'll just have to see. But uh, a little bit of a question mark why China was buying Ukraine corn here last week. Jeff, what about as we talk winter wheat, of course, they're heading into a seeding season, seeing some of that out in the fields. You know, a lot of farmers I think that I've been talking to typically use wheat as a cover crop during the winter. But I've talked to a few farmers that have considered potentially, you know, maybe moving those acres out of a cover crop into actual harvested wheat because who knows what's going to happen with the corn and soybean acreage battle. What's your take on wheat? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to see, you know, the, the old crop is all about what 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 happened here uh, last summer and, and last spring up in the Canadian prairie and in North Dakota, South Dakota and Montana here. But uh, yeah, you're, you're going to see uh, increased acres. I, I mean, you look at uh, new crop um, Chicago and Kansas City wheat on the winter wheat. Uh, you got 824 in Chicago and you have 821 in July of Kansas City. So those are good prices. And uh, if you can't make money at $8 wheat, then you need to find a new profession. But, you know, you've also had an increase. We're expecting about two and a half to, to three million acre increase in winter wheat seedings. But, you know, again, take a step back. Winter wheat seedings uh, in the United States have been very low here the last five years. I mean, that that market has been in a bear market for about the last five to six years until about a year ago, August, where this market really started to take off. And then also, I mean, I'm, I'm actually uh, planning a trip here uh, next month, going to Kansas to uh, visit my clients. And I, I, you know, I talk to them every day and they've said, you know, they have definitely increased their acres. And it's simply because of the inputs on the corn side, uh, not only securing enough fertilizer, but being able to pay for it. So, uh, yes, certainly there is going to be uh, more wheat uh, acres. And, you know, the one thing is, you know, the wheat, yes, it's it's been leading us up here recently, but, you know, the, this rally has really shut off uh, our export demand. Uh, we are one of the most expensive wheats in the world, uh, and that is probably a direct result of, you know, look at the U.S. dollar, what the U.S. dollar, in anticipation of rising interest rate, the U.S. dollar today is trading at a 16-month high. So, Every time that dollar ticks up higher, that 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 makes our commodities uh, on a world market more expensive. So I, I can't stress it enough. You have wheat here. Uh, you got a good stand. It came up here this fall. It's heading into uh, dormancy. You know, get out there. Go look at some 750, 780 July puts and get this price locked in because we're sitting here at eight, nine year high prices. Uh, this wheat, again, hopefully it continues, but 
we all know uh, this wheat can move down in a hurry. And uh, I would make sure that you have uh, all your anticipated bushels locked in with put options all the way out there in July. And then let's just see what happens. It'd be an interesting ride, Jeff, but I want to quickly wrap things up here with the live cattle complex finished with some mixed trade today. What is going on there? Well, we've, we've had a, again, this has been a cash uh, led rally. And after, you know, the, the cattle market really has been dead for about six to seven months. I mean, uh, it traded between 120 and 124, uh, it seemed like forever. And when Kansas finally took out that 124 on the cash market, uh, it really propelled us higher. And, and, and cattle is one of the one uh, commodities that has not really seen uh, the big increase with all this inflationary talk. But uh, uh, we did hit uh, a fresh two-month high there on Friday. Uh, we gave it back here a little bit here today. But I mean, if, if I am a producer and I'm, I'm looking at fat cattle uh, going through this winter, I mean, you have April at 140 on the board. Uh, you know, guys, th- these are prices that we don't see very often. And again, I- I'm friendly to cattle. The demand has been excellent, uh, but these prices are high and I can't stress it enough. I mean, if, if you got cattle here, go out and buy some 134, 136 April fat cattle puts, lock the downside in, and then just see what happens here in the next six, seven months. Fantastic. Jeff, before we let you go, how can folks get a hold of you if they want to chat markets or follow along with you on social media? Sure. Uh, you can reach me uh, on my mobile here at 312-217-0122 or go to my website at aghedgers, all one word, aghedgers.com or on Twitter at aghedger. Fantastic, Jeff. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll have to have you back on again sometime really soon. Delaney, I'll be available anytime you want me on. Thanks again there to Jeff for coming on for our Market Monday conversation. It's always exciting to have a new voice around Delaney. It certainly is. I love having Jeff on. I've worked with him pretty closely and Mark to Market and a couple other places, but uh, for whatever reason, we've never had him on the podcast. So yeah, that was glad we've gotten him worked into the rotation now. Well, Delaney, like we mentioned earlier, we're going to be traveling to NAFB in Kansas City later this week, and we're going to be having some great conversations while we're there. So folks, be sure to tune in at agnewsdaily.com to keep on top of those conversations. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.